1: At an unlicensed Juneteenth event down in Washington, D.C., killing a teen and injuring three others, including a cop. Also, closer to home, nine shot in Harlem, one critically this morning. As revealed on the Cats Roundtable right here on 77 WABC, the Manhattan DA's office is adopting tougher penalties for shoplifting and and smash-and-grab robbery suspects. FINA, the International Swimming Organization, bans transgender women from competition. Predictions of a looming recession from former Treasury Secretary Larry Sumners. Another shocking revelation about police response to May's mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. What you're hearing there, tragedy at an unpermitted Juneteenth event down in Washington, D.C. on Sunday. Sunday's shooting left. A. 15-year-old dead. Three others hurt, including two adults and a police officer. So far, there have been no arrests. Metropolitan Police Department Chief Robert J. Conte said the 15-year-old was pronounced dead at the scene. The adults and officer are recovering in the hospital.
0: Several firearms in this area to include a firearm off of um, one of the, the persons who, were, who was shot in this incident. Uh, So we are working very closely with our partners uh, here in the public safety cluster.
1: The unpermitted Mochella event at 14th and U Street in D.C. was to celebrate the Juneteenth holiday. It was advertised as a peaceful demonstration. As officers and emergency personnel were on the scene aiding those injured during a stampede, somebody in the crowd began firing a handgun, striking the 15-year-old, killed the police officer and two other adults Closer to home, nine shot in Harlem, one critically this morning. Here's NYPD Police Commissioner Keechan Sewell. The emboldened individuals responsible for this are exactly who our officers are battling every day to make our city safe. And while we are making some head... The victims were shot near the intersection of East 139th Street and 5th Avenue around 1235 a.m. According to the NYPD, police say all these victims were taken to... Harlem Hospital, it is not immediately clear what led up to this morning's shooting in Harlem. A big switch out of the office of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. He is rolling out a plan to cut shoplifting and smash and grab robberies. The DA's office has faced big blowback over Bragg's progressive prosecution policies. Kathy Wild, president of the Partnership for New York City, told the Cats Roundtable, hosted by 77 WABC owner and operator, John Katsimatidis about the new policy. They're going to be focusing on a much closer working relationship with the NYPD to aggressively identify those folks who have high rates of Is it recidivism who are committing, you know, it's a relatively small number of relatively well organized people who are committing most of these robberies. Wild explained that pre-trial detention will be requested for accused suspects who have prior felony convictions, multiple open cases and a history of skipping out on court dates. She also said Bragg's prosecutors will also work to aggregate numerous misdemeanor charges to become a felony. World Swimming's governing body has effectively banned transgender women from competing in women's events starting today. FINA, the International Swimming Organization, headquartered in London, widely adopted a new gender inclusion policy on Sunday. It only permits swimmers who transition before age 12 to compete in women's events. The organization also proposed an open competition category. FINA President Hussein Al-Musalman. I cannot stand here today and pretend that I have all the answers. I know that there will be challenges in creating open categories. His spokesperson, James Pierce, told the Associated Press there are currently no transgender women competing in elite levels of swimming. Back in March, Leah Thomas made history in the U.S. as the first transgender woman to win an NCAA swimming championship. The 500-yard freestyle, she has not yet commented on the new FINA policy. Predictions of a recession in the United States from former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers. He said on Sunday that his best guess is that there will be a recession in the country amid growing concerns about inflation. Summers appeared on NBC's Meet the Press.
0: I based that on the fact that we haven't had a situation like the present with inflation above four and unemployment below four without a recession following within a year or two.
1: President Biden said last Thursday that he believes the recession is not inevitable. The Federal Reserve last week hiked interest rates three-quarters of a percentage point, with additional hikes planned at the fastest pace in three decades. A new revelation about the mass shooting at the Uvalde Elementary School in Texas A source has confirmed to ABC News that none of the officers checked to see if the doors to the classrooms were locked as they waited for a janitor to bring keys. And now that, as police waited for over an hour in a hallway outside of those classrooms where a gunman killed 19 students and two teachers. Chief Peter Arendando of the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District Police was the incident commander during the May 24th mass shooting at Robb Elementary School. Earlier this month a CNN reporters confronted Aaron Dondo about why he hasn't addressed victims' families. How do you explain we're be,
0: yourself to we're the we're gonna be respectful to the family? I understand and, that if you have and, an and opportunity we're gonna, to explain, explain yourself gonna, to the parents. And just so you know we're gonna we're gonna do that eventually, obviously. Right. And whenever this is done and we we'll let the families quit grieving, then we'll do that obviously. And just so we have, just, so just, so families, just so everybody and just so everybody just so everybody knows we've been in contact with DPS every day.
1: Police response to the mass shooting is under investigation by the U.S. DOJ and Texas police. Looking at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Nice day, sunshine or high, 78 light winds to 10 miles per hour overnight. Mostly cloudy, the low 65. And tomorrow, mostly cloudy, the high 77. And tomorrow, we have a 40% chance of a shower mid to late afternoon. And right now, 59 degrees, clear skies here in the Big Apple. Well, members of the House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot said Sunday they may subpoena former Vice President Mike Pence. The committee is waiting also to hear from Virginia Ginny Thomas. She's the wife of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas about her alleged role in the illegal plot to overturn the 2020 election. Former Florida Representative David Jolly weighed in on MSNBC.
2: I think
0: Democrats on the Hill don't even need to consider the political consequences to realize if we do our job right, the American people are going to learn very damning information about the former president and Republicans, and they can make a political judgment.
1: Republican State Representative Rusty Bowers, Arizona House Speaker, scheduled to testify at the committee's hearing Tuesday, focusing on state officials who were contacted by former President Trump in the White House as Trump tried to overturn the results. Meanwhile, Trump has issued a 12-page rebuttal to the hearing's findings, calling them politically motivated, designed to try and tarnish his possible 2024 run for the White House. The committee chair, Representative Benny Thompson, recently said it may not be necessary for Pence to appear in person because of testimony from many of the former VP's closest aides. The committee plans to hand over material to the U.S. Justice Department by the end of the month for its criminal investigation. More now on the January 6th hearings. The House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol will present evidence in a public hearing this week about then-President Donald Trump's alleged involvement in a failed scheme to push slates of bogus electors to overturn the 2020 election results. That from Representative Adam Schiff on Sunday. Schiff appeared on CNN.
2: We'll show during a hearing what the president's role was in trying to get states to name alternate slates of electors, how uh, that scheme depended uh, initially on hopes that the legislatures would reconvene and bless it.
1: Will we see that he directed it?
2: And they pressed forward with it anyway.
1: The system held, he said, because numerous state and local elections officials, Republicans and Democrats alike, upheld their oath to the u.s constitution after the election certificates reporting to be from trump electors were sent to the national archives in washington dc by republicans in seven battleground states that joe biden won arizona georgia michigan nevada new mexico pennsylvania and wisconsin the efforts which were ultimately unsuccessful created two sets of electors an official group selected by the states and the fake ones Kellyanne Conway, who served as special counselor to former President Trump, said when she worked in his administration, nobody ever had to ask who's in charge. She appeared on the Cats Roundtable. When I worked in the administration for Donald Trump and Mike Pence, and we were called liars all the time. And chaos, crisis, chaos, crisis. Let me tell you something. There's chaos and crisis everywhere we look now.
2: And people know it. They feel it. They see it. They're living it.
1: Conway pointed out that authoritarian regimes are on the rise in China, North Korea, Iran and Russia. She said Russian President Vladimir Putin wouldn't have invaded Ukraine if Trump, who's now 76 years old, was still in the White House. Her comments come amid reports of a toxic work environment in the Biden White House and historically declining poll numbers for Biden. On Saturday, Secret Service agents swooped in after the president took a spill on his bike in Delaware at the Delaware Beach, where he and First Lady Jill Biden own a summer home. Well, the Texas Division of Emergency Management has spent two point nine million dollars so far to send over seventeen hundred immigrants to Washington, D.C. at taxpayer expense that according to documents released by the agency. Back in April, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas directed the Texas Division of Emergency Management to charter buses to transport migrants from Texas to Washington, D.C. Abbott announced an effort to crowdfund the bus rides to offset the cost to taxpayers. That idea came after criticism from some Republicans and support for the effort from some Democrats.
0: The Biden administration and a lot of leaders in Congress have no idea about the chaos they have caused uh, by their open border policies. And they refuse to come down and, and see firsthand and talk to the people who are really most adversely affected. And if they're not going to come to the border, I'm going to take the border to them in Washington, D.C.
1: Abbott's efforts to call attention to immigration issues and present a Joe Biden with broader policies has cost Texas taxpayers $2.9 million through June 7th, Altogether, 61 buses carrying over 1,700 people to Washington, D.C. between April and June have occurred, and that amounts to roughly 1,600 bucks per passenger being taken from Texas to D.C. The majority of Americans should be wearing masks. That according to a new evidence that was done by the CDC in indoor spaces, or at least considering this according to new data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. As of Thursday, more than 67% of the population was in high or medium COVID-19 community levels, a measure determined by new coronavirus cases, things like hospitalizations and hospital capacities. Here's Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease specialist.
0: Hopefully, the more people they get vaccinated and boosted, and the more people they realize the importance of when you have a high level of viral dynamics, that when you're in an indoor setting, you should wear a mask, even though the whole world, including the United States and the UK, are just worn out and
1: tired. And the CDC reported that 22% of the US population. Lives in counties considered to be at a high level, up 4%. 45% live in counties deemed to be at a medium level, up 17%. 77 WABC time check, 5.15. Justin Ellick has your sports. Morning, Justin. Good
2: morning, Deb. Thank you very much. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. Despite two more wins for the Mets and Yankees, the weekend ended with losses for both clubs. The Yankees looked like they'd come from behind for another victory after Josh Donaldson put them up with this two-run shot in the third. Donaldson hit by a pitch and then picked off in the first inning.
0: High fly ball, left center, going back, Gouriel, looking up, see ya, a two-run home run for Donaldson. And.
2: That call courtesy of Michael K and the yes network. Nobody's perfect though, and the Yankees bullpen couldn't keep things under wrap as the bombers would eventually squander an eight to three lead to drop the finale in Toronto ten to nine. Nonetheless, their lead in the AL East sits at 11 games as they kick off another interdivision division bout in Tampa Bay come tonight at 7, 10 p.m. It'll be Garrett Cole going up against Tampa's Shane McClanahan. As for the Mets, they took care of the Marlins over the weekend, but couldn't hold on in game three of the four game set last night as they fall six to two in Queens. The Vitans held a one to nothing lead in the sixth, which was quickly met by five Marlins runs in the top of the seven. It's top of the seventh. That'd be enough to sink New York as they'll try and get back in the wind column this afternoon in the finale. That'll be David Pearson going up against Trevor Rogers. Saturday night saw the Colorado Avalanche take a commanding two to, two to nothing series lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning in this year's Stanley Cup final. Three goals in the first frame got the abs off and running, and they wouldn't stop as they'd light the lamp four more times over the two remaining periods to, to secure the seven to nothing route at home series heads to Tampa tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern as the Lightning will try and get on the board in game three. Out on the links, a wild finish at the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts, saw Englishman Matt Fitzpatrick survive as the last man standing to secure his first PGA Tour victory and his first major championship all in one. Here was the winning moment, courtesy of NBC Sports. is a champion again at the country club in Brooklyn. 6-under was your winning card for the weekend. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC.
1: Thanks, Joe. Uh, Justin and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Nice day, sunshine. Our high 78 light winds to 10 miles per hour. Mostly cloudy overnight, the low 65. Mostly cloudy day tomorrow with a 40% chance of an afternoon shower. Mid to late afternoon, the high 77. Right now, 59 degrees, clear skies here in Manhattan. Frank Marano has your business report. I'm Frank Marano with your business report. Wall Street is
0: closed today in observance of the Juneteenth federal holiday. When the opening bell does ring Tuesday morning, investors will no doubt be looking to recover from a brutal week. The Dow closed below 30,000 Friday in roller coaster trading as stocks lodged sharp weekly losses. Markets remained volatile as recession fears rattled investors. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 38 points, the S&P 500 added 8 points, and the Nasdaq gained 152 points. US drivers got a slight break on prices this weekend as the AAA average for a gallon of unleaded gasoline fell below the $5 mark. The average price Sunday was 4.98 a gallon, down from 4.99 in Saturday's reading. The average gas price had been $5 or above for the previous 7 days, the first time on record that prices crossed that mark. Consumers already being pummeled by surging prices now have to worry about product shortages. In recent months, a handful of common products have become harder to find and more may be added to the list, including hot sauce and tampons. Retailers have been forced to put purchase limits on certain products as shelves remain bare. The FDA announced that over a million pounds of baby formula is set to ship into the United States sometime next month. Approximately 750,000 cans of Danone formula will be imported from the company's facility in Ireland. The import is part of the Biden administration's ongoing Operation Fly formula to address a nationwide shortage of baby formula that has left parents scrambling to find available stock in stores. I'm Frank Moreno. With your business report on 77 WABC, I'll be back at 1 a.m. on the other side of midnight.
1: Thanks, Frank. Looking at futures, the Dow's up 105 points, the S&P 500 up 19, the Nasdaq's climbed 76 and a half, gold's up $3.30 an ounce at $1,844, crude oil down 41 cents a barrel at $109.15.
0: The WABC Early News.
1: Well, unvaccinated, unvaccinated New York City workers may have a chance to get their jobs back if they get vaccinated. Back in February, New York City Mayor Adams fired more than 1,400 workers who were unvaccinated under a mandate by former Mayor de Blasio. So now the city is sending almost 600 unvaccinated non-Department of Education workers a letter with second chance details. Department of of, uh, Education employees will follow with another letter that will happen later this summer. Meanwhile, New York Republican gubernatorial candidate Andrew Giuliani unable to participate in debates in person because he's unvaccinated supports unvaccinated workers who've lost their jobs.
0: I stand with all those New Yorkers who have lost their job, all those firefighters, all those police officers, all of the nurses, uh, all the sanitation workers that have lost their job. And I have pledged on day one, any of these COVID mandates that exist will be shredded and anybody who lost their job will get their job back with back pay.
1: The development was first reported by the New York Post. It is not clear just how many workers would be affected, and a timeline for returning to work has not yet been disclosed. Well, during an address marking the Juneteenth holiday Sunday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams said New York City needs to do better in preventing black residents from being driven out of their neighborhoods. Speaking in Central Park, Adams compared the modern-day uprooting of people of color from neighborhoods across the U.S., including the five boroughs, to slavery. The mayor pointed to Seneca Village. It was established in 1825 in the western portions of what is now Central Park. It became home to more than 200 free black people, evicted 30 years later to make way for the iconic Manhattan green space.
0: Imagine being displaced over and over and over again. When this village was torn apart to build this park, we displaced the energy of Seneca Village. It never came back. Starting anew over and over again.
1: Adams is New York City's second black mayor. He made the comments in Central Park, comparing the modern-day uprooting of people of color from neighborhoods across the U.S., including the five boroughs, to slavery. Well, empty polling sites, the norm all across New York City on the second day of early voting for the primary election. It was Juneteenth, of course, and Father's Day Sunday, and candidates for office were juggling both while the election was already underway. Democratic candidate for governor Tom Swasey spoke to New York One.
0: I don't think that there's a lot of enthusiasm. I think it's going to be a very low turnout, but I think that's going to work to my advantage because my voters are very enthusiastic. They want to do something about crime. They want to do something about
1: taxes. Voters are choosing primary candidates for governor, lieutenant governor, Democratic and Republican registered voters can take advantage of early voting until next Sunday, Election Day. Of course, the primary day, June 28th, Republican candidates for governor of New York. Meanwhile, debate tonight on New York one and the four men vying are former Westchester County executive Rob Astorino, businessman Harry Wilson, Long Island Congressman Lee Zeldin and former Trump White House staffer Andrew Giuliani. That debate airs at 7 (laughs) p.m. police is searching for the scooter-shooter-riding gunman who opened fire on a group of people in the Bronx, leaving one person wounded. Surveillance footage from the NYPD shows four men sitting near a stoop on Wales Avenue right near East 152nd Street in the Woodstock section of the Bronx. Around 7 p.m. on Thursday, two men on a scooter ride by and one begins shooting. Surveillance footage shows victims scrambling for cover and hiding behind parked cars. Police say that a 28-year-old man was treated and released from a hospital after being shot in his leg during this event. And officials say so far no arrests have been made. And you can take a look at the video as police try and identify the suspects here and solve this crime. It's up on our website, wabcradio.com. A Florida woman who allegedly used pepper spray on a group of Asian women in Manhattan has now been arrested on several hate crime charges, according to police. 47-year-old Madeline Barker of Merritt Island, Florida, allegedly got into this verbal altercation and made anti-Asian statements before using pepper spray on four women in the city's Chelsea neighborhood. This happened about 6 p.m. on June 11th, according to police. Here's some of the audio from that incident.
2: This Where's person was being right? hella racist You're to right? us,
0: telling right. us to go back to our country and now spraying no. us with Woo! pepper spray. No. She's breaking no. the no. I'm not in
2: your state! Don't, Don't spray me. Yo,
0: you sad-ass
1: Victims refused medical attention. Barker was charged with two counts of assault as a hate crime, two counts of attempted assault as a hate crime, and four counts of harassment as a hate crime. You can also take a look at that video of that incident on our website, wabcradio.com. Retired NYPD Chief Charles Chuck Scholl, who had a close relationship with the Orthodox Jewish community during his 41-year police career, died Friday at the age of 64. He began his career in 1979, retiring at the end of 2020 as executive officer of Patrol Borough Brooklyn South. Here's his walkout on his final day. Scholl was found dead Friday in his Carroll Gardens home. He had not been feeling well for a few days. An official cause of death not yet released. Meanwhile, also, a New York City firefighter killed in a freak accident at the Biltmore Estate in North Carolina Friday. 45-year-old Casey Scudkin died when a tree limb fell onto the vehicle he was driving. He would have turned 46 on Sunday, Father's Day. The limb fell during high winds. Two other adults and a child were also Inside that vehicle, and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center: Sunshine today, are high seventy-eight, winds to ten miles per hour overnight. The low sixty-five, mostly cloudy. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. The high seventy-seven, with a forty percent chance of an afternoon shower mid to late afternoon. And right now, holding steady at fifty-nine degrees, clear skies. Well, the summer solstice sets off the official start of summer as the Northern Hemisphere angles itself at the point in its orbit closest to the sun causing the longest amount of daylight and the shortest amount of darkness during the calendar year for our area. Of course, many cultures, both ancient and modern, celebrate the day with rituals and holidays. And this year, the summer solstice its tomorrow, June 21st, during the 77 WABC Early News, right at 5.14 a.m. tomorrow morning. Usually falls between June 20th and 22nd each year.
0: It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.